a lot of this podcast is about filling our cups. And well, boy, do I have a new way to fill your cup this time with plant-based milk. So Almond Cow is a product that I was introduced to recently, and I couldn't be more excited to be collaborating with them. Almond Cow makes the experience of making plant-based milk at home simple and fun. There's no straining involved, and it takes less than a minute. It's an awesome little machine that, for me, helps me make milk at home budget-friendly and healthy. And as I focus more on being my best, filling my own cup, Almond Cow is one of the first things I think of each day. So want to try it for yourself? Almond Cow is offering a special code for you that gives you $25 off your purchase of $200 or more. You can shop at almondcow.co, that's co.com, and use code yourgoodnews at checkout. Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, your host, Katherine Getty. Each Thursday, I'll give you the scoop on the good news coming out of Washington and how you can get involved with this thing called democracy. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Good News podcast. Thank you for joining today's episode. So we will get right into it, an update on what's happening in Washington, and then a look back at the 117th Congress. All right, so the what's happening in Washington. When this episode comes out, it will be one day from government funding expiring, set to expire on Friday, December 16th. And as I record this, it would be my best guess uh, that there will be another short-term funding bill known as a continuing resolution either to December 23rd or December 30th um, before a broader package can be brokered. Then it's unclear whether Congress will pass a clean CR, so we basically the same level of funding through September 30th, the end of the next fiscal year, so FY23, or if they'll be able to pass an omnibus funding bill or maybe even a short-term funding bill into early next year. An omnibus funding bill is favorable because a CR means no new programs or additional funding to any of those programs. Democrats also attempted to break the logjam by releasing their own draft of funding earlier this week. And I'll say kind of why we're in this stalemate, so to speak, is because appropriators, so the people that are deciding what levels funding should be at, can't can't really get these top-line numbers of mandatory and discretionary spending um, buckets. You think about mandatory, those are Social Security, Medicare, some of those staples. And then discretionary is more education, healthcare, kind of fall into those different buckets. And so the appropriators can't decide on where the budget should be. And so you can't really appropriate without knowing those top numbers. So why are we always feeling like we're kind of in these short-term funding bill battles? Like I often ask myself this question and You know, we've talked about the role of Congress and one of their enumerated powers being the power to tax and spend for general welfare. But however, as of late, Congress hasn't done a really great job at actually appropriating the funds raised. So funds raised, aka taxes. And I think there are a few kind of pieces that fall into it. Some structural, and I think then one kind of more social. First, I think earmarks, which are considered to be funds provided by Congress for projects or programs by congressional direction. So maybe it's a Congress member getting a bill to help with 
flooding in their district, uh, like a, a flood r- research project, or maybe it's uh, an airport in another person's district needs some repair. So it's kind of congressionally directed spending. And they have been a tool used for many, many years. And then in 2015, they were removed. And it was seen as they were an ugly kind of part of the appropriations process. There wasn't a lot of transparency. There was concern about it being utilized for not good purposes. And I think that over those last, over the last seven years, these short-term funding bills, we've seen them more and more. You don't see Congress going through all 12 appropriations bills and actually getting something across the line, which is really disappointing. And I think I'm interested to see. In 2021, Earmarks came back with a new name, Additional Transparency, known as Community-Funded Projects. And I think it'll be interesting over the next couple of years is, does this kind of help move appropriations in a, in a better process? I think there are also some budgetary control mechanisms that are intended to prevent tax and mandatory spending legislation from increasing the deficit or that constrained discretionary spending One is PAYGO, so 2010 Statutory Pay-As-You-Go Act. Any legislative changes to taxes or mandatory spending that increase projected deficits have to be offset or paid for by other changes. So I think that that's kind of changed the dynamic. And then there's also discretionary funding caps. So there was the 1990 Budget Enforcement Act, and then in 2011, the Budget Control Act, which impose temporary legally enforceable limits or caps on the level of discretionary appropriations. In each case, the limits have been amended from time to time. The Budget Enforcement Act limits expired spending after 2002, and the Budget Control Act expired after 2021. So it kind of went away to some degree, but it still has lingering impacts. You know, from the earmarks or community-funded projects to understanding PAYGO and discretionary funding caps, I think there are, you know, obviously some structural things that are impacting how appropriations process and how the government actually does their job. But I also think the fact that we've talked about this before, members in Congress are more polarized. It's a reflection of the country. You can feel it. You probably felt it at Thanksgiving or over the holidays it means that members are unwilling to find common ground, unwilling to kind of take a beat and say, okay, what's good for the country as a whole and my constituents? And I think it's a corrosive problem that will take some time to unwrap, but we have to be a part of that process. We have to be willing to have hard conversations and say, I can disagree and not be disagreeable. But I think all of that kind of plays into why this appropriations process is kind of always feeling like it's kicking the can down the road. It doesn't feel like Congress is really putting any forethought. And I think sometimes that feels, you feel it down into different research programs or may that be educational initiatives. It's, we're kind of short-sighted in our funding. And so I will be interested to see what the 118th Congress brings for government appropriations. Stay tuned, there'll be more. All right, so let's turn Now that we've talked about what's happening in Washington, let's turn to a look back of the 117th Congress. So let's remember where the sage was set. The 117th Congress was kicked off with a change in presidents to President Joe Biden, a Democrat of Delaware, 
than a Senate that had a 50-50 split, with Democrats having the upper hand because of VP Harris being the Senate president, which we talked about last week, another Democrat of California. And then lastly in the House, Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California served as the party leader and had a slim majority. Given those dynamics, Democrats really aim to thread the needle on creating legislative victories, creating good policy for the American people, but also having to appease the two kind of opposite sides from the progressives to the moderates and figuring out, okay, where can we get some things done? It proved to be hard, but I think you'll see that Democrats did succeed on a few points. And I will say succeed means they got bills across the line to the president's desk. I'm not going to comment on the policies itself because I think my goal is to always kind of give you where where were things at, where are the balls and strikes, and I'll let you decide what you think of the policy. So let's get into a few of the key ones. This by no means is comprehensive. I picked four things that I thought were really important over the last couple of years, and I think will have long-term impacts to this country. First among those wins was an infrastructure bill. It's a joke in Washington, but infrastructure week dealing with our crumbling bridges and roads and all the things that we need to deal with in our country has been a perennial joke since probably I've been here about 10 years. So to get a infrastructure bill across the line was massive. It was a key piece of the president's domestic spending agenda, and it provides states and local governments the ability to upgrade roads, bridges, transit systems, and so much more. This bill was mainly partisan, but some Republicans did join the effort. And I want to say, why did Republicans oppose the bill? Well, there were climate policies in there that Demo- that Republicans, excuse me, felt like weren't exactly how they would handle the issue. And I also think a problem sometimes with these massive pieces of legislation is that they are negotiated behind closed doors. You know, our process was created that a bill would be introduced, it would go through regular order, i.e. it would go through committees and subcommittees, and then get voted upon by the full committee or the full floor. This bill, another bill we're going to talk about in a little bit, it was written behind closed doors, given to members of Congress. And I think when that is kind of the dynamics, of course, one party is going to oppose what the other party is putting out there. So I'm all in favor of regular order. I'll talk about it more in the future, but I think that that kind of was why you saw Republicans not opposing the measure. Another bill that got across the line in the 117th Congress was the Inflation Reduction Act. It was signed into law in August of 2022, and it aimed to lower prescription drug costs, address climate change by increasing funds for key initiatives. It raised taxes on corporations. And this bill was passed through a vehicle called reconciliation. We talked about reconciliation a little before, but to kind of remind folks, or if this is the first time you've joined us, Congress will sometimes use this legislative process known as reconciliation to quickly advance high-priority fiscal legislation. It was created by the Congressional Budget Act of 1974, And reconciliation allows for expedited consideration of certain tax spending and debt limit legislation. In the Senate, reconciliation bills aren't subject to the filibuster, 
and the scope of the amendments is limited. So what that basically means is that someone can't, it's very hard to stop a reconciliation package. It is a pretty partisan tool. You've seen it used both Republicans and Democrats, but it really impacts the minority and their ability to stop the legislation or give any pause to it. Next on the list of accomplishments of the 117th Congress, Congress passed some modest firearm restrictions, and also this bill had $15 billion in funding for mental health and school security. It feels like every other day we are watching a school shooting happening or something that we feel like there were flags, we could have done something. And I think this wasn't what everyone wanted, but I think it was maybe a step forward The legislation was a breakthrough on such a tough issue that I think that we as a country still grapple with how do we handle our Second Amendment, but also the fact that we are one of the only countries in the world that faces the extent of gun violence that we do. And it had been something that the Congress hadn't worked on in maybe 25 years. So it was a step forward. And I think sometimes we can't overlook the small steps. Lastly, and most recently, Congress passed the Respect for Marriage Act. This bill protects same-sex marriages. It passed the House late last week, and then it passed the Senate, meaning it will soon be headed to the president's desk for signature. And this bill really was a result of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I, Like I said, this is not a comprehensive list of all the things that happened in the 117th Congress. But I do think it gives you a glimpse into what happened over the last couple of years. What were the things that Congress focused on? I thank you again for joining today's episode. We'll continue to kind of keep you posted on government funding. Also start to give you a peek inside the 118th Congress, which will start in January of next year. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining today's episode. If you haven't already, go ahead, hit subscribe where you stream podcasts. I'm also on Instagram at Catherine Getty. You can learn more about this episode or reach out. Let me know what you're thinking about on what you'd like to hear. As always, tune in next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.